and welcome to the Culture and Leadership Connections podcast, where culture, communication, and context meet at work. In this podcast, you will discover what cultural influences have formed the careers of noteworthy leaders in a variety of professions by exploring the groups that shaped who they are today. Learn about the collective context and experiences that affect their worldview, leadership style, workplace communication, and behavior. My name is Marie Gervais, and I'm very excited to host today my guest, Ada Tai, who is an, a colleague that I like very much. I've worked with on a number of occasions and hope to continue working with over a very long period of time. And Ada has a master's in business administration with a, de- a degree from the University of Alberta. And she's a chartered professional in human resources uh, and a chartered manager. So she has a lot of designations. She has worked as an HR professional in a variety of industries and organizations for 10 years and uh, has worked in a number of large corporations. And currently she has a consulting firm and provides effective HR services and corporate training. And she's able to strategically integrate effective HR processes, programs, and practices into clients' daily operations and provide customized training sessions that align with their business objectives. She provides personal job search and career coaching, and she has helped many people achieve their personal success and their career choices. Ada's out-of-the-box thinking and fine-tuned public speaking skills have earned her the right to be continuously in demand as a speaker and a presenter. I've seen her present many times, and she's very good, very engaging, and people love her. She's really innovative, and Ada's really great with human resources, people management, career search, and networking, which are her main topics that she speaks about. So Ada... Uh, also, in addition to that, as if she didn't have enough to do, she's also working as an instructor for Grant McEwen, the university, and continuing education on the side. And she continues to mentor students in the MBA program at the University of Alberta. So she's a very, very busy woman and a very accomplished woman. And although Young has accomplished so many things in a short period of time, including immigrating to Canada and starting everything from scratch. So... That was a lot already, but Ada, maybe you could tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and fill in some of the personal gaps for the audience. Great. Thank you so much, Marie, for having me today. Um, so as Marie has introduced, my name is Ada Tai. I came to Canada as an international student, believe it or not. I'm not going to self-expose the year that I came, but it's been a while. And uh, my undergrad degree was in tourism and recreation at the University of Alberta. Because back in the days, I love traveling. I still love traveling. I really felt I want to become a tour guide that speaks multiple languages. And that came from my passion for people, love just networking with people, meeting new people and learning about different cultures food, history, and all of that. However, in my last year of university, I decided that, okay, tourism is great. I wanted to become a tour guide, but I don't know if it's going to be enough for me to make a living here in Canada. So I started exploring some business topics, and I just fell in love with human resources. So I continued my education in HR, and uh, that's how I got into it. But there was a little small episode before I got into HR was when I first graduated with, uh, with my degree in tourism from the U of A, I really had a hard time getting into the field of human resources. I was taking my education in HR in the evening while I was working a customer service job, just wanting, really get, wanting to get into HR. At that time, during, I would say, three months, I sent out about 220 resumes. I had only 16 interviews none of them worked out. I was devastated, as you could probably sense. 
And it was a really hard time. They called me here at Alberta back in the days was booming. So I was wondering, hmm, what was I lacking to get into my dream job? And then I started uh, talking to more people, learning more about the Canadian culture and uh, really polishing my English language. And uh, I found my dream job, my first job in human resources through networking. And that was my first lesson learned is that networking was key. And that's how, what I relied on getting into professional career, changing jobs, getting promotions, and as well as starting my own business. And as Marie has introduced, I have been working in HR for the past 10 years. I really love it. There is no one not challenging day. And that's why I really love the variety. And also um, my passion for people is being realized working in the field of HR. Also teaching at university gives me a lot of cushion of getting to know more people and sharing my knowledge and experience with the students. So that's great, Ada. What makes you, I think, outstanding is how flexible you are. Thank you. Really. I mean, so when you first spoke to me uh, and then a few times later, you were telling me about how you're one of the people who grew up in China where your parents had to move to the city to earn a living and you were basically raised by your grandparents and in a smaller area in China. And from there, you came to be doing all of this cosmopolitan international stuff and traveling and learning different languages and becoming really proficient in adapting to new environments. And I'm I'm just wondering if there's something in your childhood that stands out that made you see that you had that kind of potential for being so flexible and being able to learn new languages and move into a new environment so easily. That's a good question. My parents and my grandparents all have all had really strong influence on me to be who I am today and raise me. Um, they're all they are all very innovative and forward thinking people, even though they're from the baby boomer as uh, as well as the pre baby boomer generations. And uh, my parents took me traveling since I was three years old, basically, whenever they had weekends off or whenever they had national holidays or vacation, took vacation. Um, and that really helped me. My parents gave me tasks to do is to talk to the hosts of hotels or talk to service at restaurants or go buy tickets at the tourist destinations. Myself being a couple of years old, a little girl with two bra- uh, braids on my head. And uh, so that was my first lessons learned how to deal with uh, strangers and how to just open my mouth and say hi and ask questions. Wow. So your parents basically set you up to practice the skills that you'd need later. They went, you know what, we, you're, we're going here and you're the person who's going to have to buy the tickets. And they, yes, exactly. So did they walk you through it or they just went, you know what, go up there and talk to the <laughs> person. Here's the money. What did they do? They demonstrated, of course. And uh, I have to tell you the truth, as a couple-year-old girl, it was a good feeling to have a couple, bu- couple bucks in my hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I felt like I was kind of in control with that money and getting the tickets. I, was, I also remember going to uh, the night market and trying to bargain the deals from the street vendors. Um, it's part of the Chinese culture where I grew up with, and, uh, but also taught me just negotiation and communication skills as well. Wow, those are great. Super. And I think those two incidents really do speak to the kinds of strengths that you have as an adult. You know, you're able to negotiate, to bargain, to see different points of view, and to walk in as a young person into a situation where there are lots of people who are much older than you and still confidently do what you have to do. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. From the groups that you were born into, right? You're born, and it's, I'm not thinking, uh, China's not this big homogenous group. You know, there, I'm sure that you had regional things that were cultural, that you probably had a dialect that was specific to a group uh, in China that you would have been born into. And then you would have had extended family 
and the things that people did around you. So the groups that you were actually born into when you were a child, what would you say has most influenced your sense of culture now? Yeah, so I think the um, the impacts on me the most from my culture, the group I was born into, are a couple folds. Uh, first of all, I learned how to be humble. It's part of the Chinese culture that's uh, especially respecting people with authority and, and elders, people with salt and pepper in their, on their hair, basically. Um, in our culture, we believe that people who have age and experience know better than the younger ones. So really listen to them for advice, asking them questions, and uh, just respect their authority or age. Um, so I learned how to be humble. In the c- culture group that I was born into, um, my whole family, all my family, friends, relatives, far, even father relatives, we all believed in uh, work hard, working hard. And you reap the benefits of working hard and uh, establish a career. So I think that's what's shaping me today. So as a leader, how would those things have helped you to be humble, to be respectful, and to work hard? What kinds of uh, leadership characteristics would those have provided for you? And I'm thinking of leadership in a very broad sense. So it's not just that leadership as the person who's in the front of the room, you know, waving the magic wand, but how you've been able to influence people. Yeah, so I think in my sense of leadership and culture, I yes, with all my how I was raised, I learned to be humble, respectful, listen to others, and all of these good things. But also because I am in the millennial or slash Gen Y generation, I also like to be lean and mean, which means I do more with as little time uh, within a little time as possible. So that has taught me to be efficient as well as effective. In my generation, I to be honest, don't have too much patience. And I believe to do things as efficient as possible. So that taught me to plan my days, uh, plan my tasks, and always have a vision um, in terms of what I want to achieve, who I want to become, and uh, what I want to do with my career. Um, so those, all of those taught me really good things and uh, helped me to be who I am today. I would say that you're very, uh, you're very clear in your expectations with people. Thank you. If people know what you want. They know how you want it done. They know by when you want it done. And if you're working on a project, you do the same thing. Uh, ask the same questions of other people. So you're really clear about that, but you still do it really respectfully. I'm thinking that that could be part of your leadership superpower. You know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I think that's probably part of it. Let me go to my next question, which is about temperament and personality. So temperament is what you're born with and people from babies from a young age start showing specifics about their temperament that that never really change. And personality though, is something that you learn over time. You add on to it, you add new things, you learn new things and how you respond to experiences also develops your personality. So if what were you born with like temperament wise and what have you acquired personality wise that you think has contributed to your leadership style? I'll give you a funny story when I was little. Um, so as I previously mentioned that my parents uh, intentionally trained me to be brave to start talking to strangers when I was little. I remember one incident that uh, when my parents, when my dad went on his, uh, went on vacation with a couple of family friends, all of the family friends brought their kids who were at my age. And, uh, but I was the more brave one. I was the one always initiating games with other kids and saying, oh, let's go do something different. Let's try something fun. And uh, at that time, uh, when I was little, karaoke was just starting to become popular in China. And uh, so one of the family friends, the, uh, my dad's friend, was teasing me saying, oh, Ada, do you want to sing a song for us? And uh, if you ask the typical Chinese kid back in the days, everybody was like, I'm too shy. I don't want to do that. And I was like, yeah, give me a microphone. (laughs) 
So, so I sung with a microphone in my head, and then because of my passion, I guess, and all these other kids started dancing with me. So that was fun, and I think that's that was part that's part of my temperament and、uh, shaped who I am today.、Uh, to date, I do a lot of presentations in English, which is now my native language, as you know, Marie.、Um, so do a lot of presentations and teaching at universities,、uh, and almost most of my students, I have to say, come from English as their first language. So that's a lot of challenge for me to overcome, but I was never shy. There were moments that I doubt my abilities, and there are moments that I think, "Oh, I could have done better," or "Let me work harder on that."、Um, but I think it's the temperament and also personality that I have a drive in me, and I have a vision for my life that、uh, keeps me going, motivating me, pushing me harder. Yeah, I can really see you as a little kid with a microphone, Thank totally、you. crushing it, crushing. <laughs> <laughs> So,、um, so, but has anything changed in your personality over time? What do you think? Me, for example, I've become way more patient. I used to be the most impatient person on the planet. I'm still not the best, most patient person. But a lot of times, people say that one of my qualities is patience, and it shocks me. But I think I've learned to be patient. I think that's something I've acquired. It's not something I had naturally. What about you? It's a good point.、Um, a very similar characteristic with you as you on that.、Um, I think one thing I've developed over time is to learn that people have different styles and they have different motivations. Um, either when I'm when I was a student at university, or when I teach at university, or even doing my business or with colleagues and talking to other people, I found that if I am managing a project, leading on a project, if I have the vision, I have made the plans with the team members. Everybody would just follow the plan and get things done before the deadlines. And guess what? That's not reality. It's in the dream.、Um, and I started. I was disappointed at the beginning, thinking that if I'm committed, everybody else would be the same level of commitment.、Uh, with disappointment, I came up with alternative ways to solve the problems. And I really started to analyzing people, not to stereotype them, but to really understand them. What drives them? What are their motivations? Uh, sometimes even what their agendas are. Where can we find a synergy? Where can we find alignment so I can motivate them to get the project done?、Um, but at the end,、um, relationship, professional relationship is very important to me. I can only think of one group I've ever worked in where everybody was responsible and committed and engaged and contributed 100%. And I've worked in hundreds of groups, and I, I remember that group so well. As I was thinking, this is heaven. <laughs> <laughs> And wishing that you know other groups would have been as great, but it goes to show how when everybody's really committed with unity of thought to something, how far you can go. Yeah, that's true. That they're just not all there, right? I mean, not everybody's at the same page at the same time, and they have different things that affect their capacity to participate at the level you would perhaps like them to. Right. I know that you have done lots of traveling, so and you married somebody who's not from your culture. In fact, very different from your culture. And you now you moved to a new country and you established yourself as a professional in that country. So there must have been some moments when you noticed that things were different. That something that you thought of as normal, like in fact, just the incident you explained a minute ago, when it, you thought it was normal for people to be committed and engaged and just participate as fully as you do, and that was probably a bit of a shock. But have there been other times when you thought, you know, this is normal for me, or this is normal in my My culture, and you realize that it was a cultural difference, a cultural shift. As I mentioned, that in from the Chinese culture, I learned to be humble, and、uh, to the extent that, if, especially if I'm younger with less authority, I need to lower my position. And、uh, I learned that I didn't know it was part of my culture until I came to Canada and experienced some 
differences in the academic environment as well as the work environment. Um, so, for example, when you said, tell me about your experience, what shaped you to be the leader? And my first reaction in my head without saying it out loud was, I'm not a leader. I'm learning how to become a leader. You know, that's my first cultural instinct, instinct reaction is to lower myself because I'm not there yet. I like to become a leader one day. Uh, I'm still learning how to become one. Also, that's uh, when I go have dinner with friends and uh, if they're older with more authority, I would cheer with them with a glass of wine or something, but lower my glass than theirs. And that's in my culture a way to show respect. Um, I learned the hard way, actually, that uh, when I first uh, went into being interviewed for jobs, even though now I've I'm pretty good at being interviewed and interviewing others working in HR for these many years. But when I first started uh, looking for work, when I went to interviews, when people ask questions such as, how did you achieve this? Um, what were your biggest accomplishments? Or how did you strive in a team environment to demonstrate great results? You know, all these really results, efficiency and effectiveness driven questions. And my first answer to them was, oh, I'm only part of a group. I was not a leader. I was relying on my manager and teammates for help. And that's just my really my culture instinct reaction. And I didn't get those opportunities. Later on, I was talking to more people in my networks. I learned that in Canada, if we want to thrive in our career, we sometimes have to sell and market ourselves a little bit. An interview is just one great way of marketing ourselves. But I learned in a hard way. Yeah, and also women tend to be that way. So yes. women will say... I'm part of a team and it's the team that helped us all to be successful because we all played such an important role. That's just now becoming recognized as being really necessary. It's just popping up in the past six or seven months. It's, it's not even considered popular yet. Although people are saying they need more collaboration, they don't really mean it. <laughs> so so um, it's starting to be recognized as something that women are very strong in, but that undercuts their opportunities to move forward or horizontally because they're seen as being less important. But at the same time, if you come across as being too forward as a woman, then you're dismissed because you're considered to be out of gender role. So yes. it's like you lose both ways, right? Yeah. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the time when we can all be ourselves and be recognized for who we are without being put into other people's boxes and without us putting other people into boxes at the same time. I agree. Uh, I'm thinking that when you were presenting yourself uh, in a way that was showing that you're a part of the team, even though people didn't see your strengths then, you're still the girl with the microphone. You're both, <laughs> right? So yeah. um, to me, you have both the capacity to stand out when you need to and the capacity to work with the team and the capacity to follow as required. So when you think about it, who wouldn't want to work with somebody like that, right? Thank you. It's like working with somebody who always has to be in the front. And in the limelight, is just tiring. Somebody yeah. who can never put their ideas forward is also tiring. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that kind, of, that kind of brings me to the end of the interview, which is I like to ask people, let's say that you had an employer who wanted to hire you right now, and you had the luxury of being able to say very clearly and honestly to that employer, this is how you can work best with me. What would you say? Um, first of all, the employer needs to understand. And I think that in Canada, our economic and uh, cultural landscape is very diverse anyway. So the employers here in Canada are more inclined to accept people from diverse backgrounds. Uh, me being a visible minority, having an accent, being a female, and have a younger looking face, I guess, sometimes could be put at a disadvantage. So if I can say out loud to the employer that um, is to keep an open mind, 
that people even with diversity at a younger age can have great experience and great knowledge to share. And when people like myself, when we raise our points or make a suggestion, there is a good reason why we make the suggestion. And also it would be very helpful for employers just to learn a few words in different languages that their teammates speak. Simply as saying, hello, how are you? Goodbye, thank you. That's all it takes just to build that trust and relationship with the workers. Um, and, uh, and the other thing is just being curious. And uh, because I've talked to many employers in my HR career, and some of them tell me that um, it's not because they don't like people from diverse cultural backgrounds, it's because they don't know what to say. They're so afraid to say the wrong thing to offend people when their intention is otherwise. So my suggestion would be just to keep an open mind, have a curiosity about people from different backgrounds in your team, and ask some questions and learn about their culture. Go for happy hours together, having a baking competition at work together so people bring different kinds of trees to work. And that opens up the dialogue about learning different culture and leadership and communication styles. Ada, that's great advice. It's great general advice. Would be good for working with you, but just good general advice for all employers. So is there anything else that you'd like to say before we end our interview today? Something you'd like to promote as well. Um, I'm going to put your contact information into the show notes and uh, anything that you would like people to have that to know about your business, that would be great. So anything else that you'd like to say? For sure. Yeah. And uh, so I have, even though I've been in Canada for a very long time and I married a, uh, into a different culture, I practice English at home, at work all the time. Uh, but still learning the culture, learning language um, are my number one goal. And that's something I work on a daily basis. So my advice to the immigrants, the newcomers, international students, um, is don't give up. Go above, go around, go under, you will go through all the barriers. And that's what I believe in, and I keep that vision in my life. I'm confident that one day I'll achieve my dream. Um, for, so for my business, to answer your question, for my business, so I provide human resources consulting to organizations and corporate training, and I also help individuals with career planning and job search coaching. And uh, I love meeting new people, so contact me, reach out. Uh, the best way to reach me will be via my website or LinkedIn. Awesome. Ada, thank you so much. I really enjoyed your comments and your stories. And thank you so much for taking the time for this interview. And I'm sure the audience will love it. Thank you for having me, Marie. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Ada Tai. As a millennial immigrant, Ada draws from a variety of influences, her Chinese values, her childhood memories, her generation's need for speed, and her personal passion to help people. I found it really interesting how Ada Tai carved a career in Canada by skillfully weaving the influences together and consciously learning from different cultures while finding her personal power and voice in the process. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you will continue to listen to our Culture and Leadership podcast episodes, subscribe, and leave us a review. See you next time.